My name is Tina Conrad, a.k.a. DJ Breast Cancer, and this is a podcast on journeys through cancer. It is also about those making a difference in the world of cancer. My mission is to inspire hope, help one person every day. Consider it a girlfriend's guide to breast cancer. It's where inspiration meets expectation, where reality meets dreams and dreams lost. It's about life after cancer and how other pink sisters can help you through. It's about sharing your story, your journey. Cancer is life-changing. Sharing our stories and creating dialogue about breast cancer realities and research can inspire hope and change. This podcast was created to inspire love, hope, and light in the darkness. This podcast is inspired by a shining light, my dear friend and pink sister, Sandy Clausen. She passed away in July of 2018 after a recurrence of breast cancer, and she never gave up fighting. Season three is dedicated to Lindsay Blythe, a mom of two beautiful young children and an Instagram friend of mine. She was full of light, hope, and love for others. She was an amazing mom and wife. I want to give names and faces and details to these women that have passed away from this horrible disease. Breast cancer is not a good kind of cancer. There is no good cancer. So let's talk about it. Welcome to DJ Breast Cancer Season 3. Hey there, everybody. It is Tina Conrad, a.k.a. DJ Breast Cancer, and I am here, episode six, with an amazing survivor. Her name is Isabella Gardula. She is almost a three-year breast cancer survivor, so her cancerversary is coming up here in a little bit. And she was diagnosed at the age of 33. She's an avid outdoor um, adventurer. She is also um, an advocate for Tiger Lily Foundation and Living Beyond Breast Cancer. And she went through a um, pretty similar regiment to what I went through. So some chemo, radiation, uh, three surgeries. Um, and she's here to tell her story and to talk a little bit about some fun and adventures that she likes doing. So hi, Isabella. How are you doing? Hi, Tina. Good, good, good. How are you? I am so good. Yes. I, we were just saying it's kind of a crazy week, but you know, hey, we're on the up and up now. Exactly. As long as we're here to complain about it, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. It, it could be a whole lot worse. And, and that does help. I know. It always helps to put it into perspective after you've been through cancer. So um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your story and, and, and your diagnosis and treatments? Sure. So hi, guys. Um, like you know, said, my name is Isabella. And I was diagnosed back in 2016. It was August 17, 2016. Um, I remember two months prior to that, I felt like a small lump on my left breast, but I was a few months before my uh, period. So I'm like, you know, the breast changes, it's nothing. Um, then, to, you know, so that was like in June. And then in July, I felt it again, it was like bigger and harder. And I'm like, well, I'm still, you know, a few weeks, two days before my period. So I'm like, you know what? It's nothing. It's just probably like a cyst because my body produced a lot of cysts. 
And I said to my husband, you know what? If this doesn't go away by August, I'm going to go have a check because um, I my I have a family history. My aunt was diagnosed in 2008 and my sister was diagnosed in 2014. Hmm. But when my sister was diagnosed, I was I also had like a bracket testing done and that came back negative. So we were like high-fiving with my husband, like, yay, we're in clear. You're not going to get it. Just, you know, nine months fast forward and I feel the lump. So... I remember sitting on the beach on Sunday and, my, and I was like, you know what, let me make an appointment with my doctor. My primary is awesome because you can make an appointment online. So sitting, I, you know, I made an appointment for the next day. I went to her and I said, you know what, maybe I should just go. Can you give me a prescription for the ultrasound? Because I feel something and she knew my family history. And she says to me, no, 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 you're going for the mammogram too. I'm like, no, I'm not. She's like, yes, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. Don't fight with me. I know your family history. Let's just make sure you're in the clear. So that was Monday. Tuesday, I drove to the center and I said, hey, guys, can I make an appointment for the mammogram and the ultrasound? And the girls looks at me, look at me and she's like, oh, wow. She's like, I have an appointment in 15 minutes. And I'm like, you know, that feeling like in your legs, like something's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you, you wait a few days, few weeks, like something. I'm like, OK. I said, well, and then my another excuse was, but I have a deodorant under my you know, armpits. She's like, well, you can wash it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, looks like I'm not getting out of, getting away with that one. So I said, okay. So, you know, they did the mammogram, they did the ultrasound that was diagnostic. So the radiologist got on the phone uh, with a tech and they said they would like me to do a biopsy, you know, just to make sure. And that they have an opening the next day. I'm like, okay, something's really not right. Because, yeah. you know, how do you go from the prescription, the mammogram, ultrasound, and then the next day biopsy? So on that, that was on Wednesday, I had my biopsy and that radiologist, um, I was familiar with him because he did some biopsies for my mom and he would be like chatty and smiling. He woke in, face very serious. Um, so, and he's doing the biopsy, he's going up and down the, you know, with the needle and I look at the monitor. I don't know why whenever I have like any scans, I love to look at the monitors. Uh, it's weird. And I said to him, is this blood, you know, like around the, the the tumor? And he said, yes. So I kind of knew that's not good when there's like a blood flow to the tumor. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. So uh, so he said, let's dress. We, we need to have a chat. And he showed me on the monitor, you know, that on Tuesday he read my mammogram, ultrasound. That's why he said, you know, he he needed to get me in for the for the biopsy as soon as possible, and he said to me, "You have to get to the breast surgeon as soon as possible. You have to get yourself healthy." And I said, "Well, where do I go? You know, like you just told me I have cancer. Where do I go?" And he gave me like a folder, and I never forget that because there was like three pages with. I live in northern New Jersey. So there were three pages with a hospital, breast surgeons, and I said, "Well, where do I go?" And he said, well, there's, there's a list. I'm like, and I'm thinking like, you just told me I have a breast cancer. You're not, you're not going to tell me where I have to go. Like, just, just tell me. And mm-hmm. um, You know, I mean, you're just like, just guide me. Give me, give me a hand. Just can you walk with me kind of thing. And after like, you know, hearing like, oh, you have a breast cancer. And then like, you, you have to get yourself to the breast surgeon as soon as possible. And, you know, the initial shock is like, okay, what do I do? Where do I go? And then I'm like, okay. I don't know any breast surgeons, but I was familiar with one one of the oncologists in my local hospital. So I said, okay, I'm going to go with this hospital. And that radiologist, after hearing what my choice was, he said to me, he he made like a sound, like a relief, like 
And he says to me, you know what? This was, if you were my wife, this is where I would want you to go, to this place. <laughs> so that was like, I, you know, it just like made me feel so good that, you know, in this crazy, yeah. crazy situation, like, because they're not allowed to really give you recommendations. And I understand that. Um, but after like confirming that, you know, he's, he's, that's where he, you know, he would send his family member. I was like, okay, so now it's an action plan. I'm a Leo. My sign is a Leo. So we don't sit back. I don't sit back. I have to get going. And that Wednesday after I left, uh, after I left, you know, with a mission to get to the breast surgeon, I call, I, I went to work. I couldn't stay home. I was like, I'm not going home. There's no way I need to be around people. And I got to work and I called the office of the breast surgeon and she was amazing. And she said, come Friday morning, you're going to be my first appointment. So the whole week went crazy from picking the prescription, the mammogram, ultrasound, you know, biopsy. And then Friday already, I was sitting and talking to my breast surgeon and we had a plan in action. Um, and when she walked in, she went over my results from the mammogram and stuff like that. She said, well, you know, I don't see, you're probably going to do chemo, but we don't know which one yet. And I, I don't think you're going to do radiation, but we have to do MRI. We have to do genetic testing. And I said, fine. And she says to me, but how are you doing? I said, fine. And she looked at me like I'm a crazy person. And she's like, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. I said, look at doctor, you know, my aunt was diagnosed with this. My sister was diagnosed this with this. Braga kind of full you know, thinking I'm in a safe, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, it's just like that safety, like, oh, you know, you're the BRCA. I mean, everyone thinks like, you know, you didn't test the BRCA positive and you're safe. And it's just like how many people like Samantha Harris, I think she said, like how many people actually do test positive for the genetic in, genetic testings for any type of mutations. Um, so, you know, she says to me, okay. And I said, okay, I want double mastectomy and I want it like now. And she looked at me again like crazy. I'm like, lady, I said, you tell me what we have to do, like what tests we have to do and just tell me what time to show for the surgery. And Monday, I mean, I already had like Monday morning, they scheduled me for MRI. I had my genetic testing. I went to my primary doctor for the clearance and I saw uh, my plastic surgeon for the consultation. And then Tuesday, we found out that the tumor was actually larger than they all thought. Uh, and they found out that was estrogen and HER2 positive. So I knew chemo for sure, you know, chemotherapy for sure. They weren't really sure, you know, which protocol until I see the oncologist. Um, but they, I said, okay, I said, what, what about the surgery now? And I drove them nuts. I drove them that not <laughs> so bad. I said, listen, you tell me, show up Sunday midnight. You know, I will show up. Um, I actually was able to pull from my diagnosis. I was in surgery two and a half weeks later. And I had a double mastectomy hmm. uh, because they had an opening. My plastic surgeon and my general surgeon, they had an opening. So two and a half weeks later, I went into surgery and... Um, and we found out with actually went to my one axillary lymph node. So at the beginning, they were saying, oh, stage 2A, 2B. But, you know, like I, I would have noticed that with cancer, never, not, nothing is easy. And sometimes it's worse after the surgery that they were telling you on the tests before the test. And I understand, you know, imaging can only show you so much mm -hmm. until they really get into there. So from the stage 2A or B, I got upgraded to stage 3A. 
And I remember my breast surgeon coming with a pathology report to me and she walks in and she says to me, I'm not happy about it. I'm like, well, I said, I, I know I'm, I, you know, my left nuts were positive, but I said, you know, and I'm thinking, what, what else did she find? I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm really not happy about it. I said, well, how come? She's like, well, we thought it was small. There was no lymph nodes involved. Now our lymph nodes involved your stage 3A. I said, hey, doctor. I said, well, I'm not stage four. I'm not late stage four. Because even now, women are diagnosed with stage four. And they live and live. They're, you know, we came so far, especially in, with the medications. So I said, you know, I'm not late stage four. And I have a lot of fire in me. So I said, what's my next step? She's like, well, you have to see the oncologist. So I went, I saw the oncologist. And we found out I'm going to have to do the AC, which... Uh, did you do AC or oh, did yeah. you do a different chemotherapy? Actually, we have very similar stories. It's kind of crazy. So I too was stage 3A. Uh -huh. I, I kept asking, can I be 2C? Come on, let me be 2C. <laughs> I know because you want to be like that, like one degree lower. Like, yes. you know, just I think mentally you feel like kind of better, right? Like, yes. oh, I'm a little bit stage like lower. <sighs> I tried so hard and he's like, no, no. no. <laughs> I was like, dang it. You know, I did try. And then I, okay. I had my mast double mastectomy first. Um, and it's crazy because my mom had breast cancer, um, uh, like 15 years, you know, prior to me and okay. we'd, we didn't carry any BRCA gene either. So like, mm -hmm. I still think that there's, you know, some gene turned on and some, there's something, there's something hereditary that we just don't know what it is yet. We just haven't identified it or something that makes us more predisposed, you know, to environmental factors or whatever, but because now my neighbor, um, where I grew up also developed breast cancer. So three, okay. three women that lived, you know, basically within, you know, a couple hundred yards of each other, mm -hmm. all with breast cancer. Like to me, it's just too coincidental. So, so yes. And then I did, um, the adriamycin cytoxin. I did, um, the taxol, but I didn't do, I, I wasn't her too positive. So I did not have that. So that added, added bonus that you had of a lot of extra chemo. Yes, but, you know, the HER2, her it was just like, you know, so I had the AC and then I had a Taxol and HER2 just came with a Taxol and then I just continue until I finished 17 infusions. That was Herceptin and Pergeta. Mm -hmm. And at that, that time, Pergeta was only approved for the six treatments. And, you know, my doctor said, you know, we would really like you to be on it for 17 treatments, but, you know, it's not FDA approved, so we're going to fight for it. But of course, you know, insurance, if they don't have to pay for any something, they're not going to pay for it. I mean, they're going to fight and it, it went nothing. Um, but actually, that was uh, still um, the company who makes Pergeta. If you qualify, and you have to meet specific uh, criteria, but I was able to qualify and they actually provided me with the remaining of the infusions, oh, which good. was amazing i mean because one infusion is like fourteen thousand dollars wow so when i got that call that i was approved and then the company called me just to make sure that i knew about that i was approved i was like you know it's just like oh yes like happy dance i mean you know and somebody may think like you're crazy you're getting more infusions why are you happy about it but in my situation it was just i even left to this day because Whatever my oncologist told me to do it, I would do it. And I said to him, even that, if you told me to go and lay in the mud for a week, if, if that's going to help me, I'm going to go and do it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's... There's a certain level of trust. And I think that, you know, yes. I, I felt the same way about my oncologist. And and I, I think at, for, and it took a while 
to get there. Not like a long while, but at first I felt like I was almost being punished because it just kept adding, adding and adding like more and more yes. things that they wanted me to do. And then he put it to me so simply, but beautifully. He was like, I'm not trying to punish you. I'm trying to have you live a very long life. And it was like that black and white that I needed. And I was like, okay, now I get it. And so, you know, to your point, like I, that's, that was my goal. I want it. I want to live a long life, you know? And so he really helped me to see the forest through the trees, which was great. And, and and I think that's like you know they always tell, say like half like attitude is half the battle, and you know I walked in I'm like okay this is and I'm always you know it's it takes a lot to bring me down I'm, you know I'm this crazy cheery per- person that you know now in my support groups you know the the girls call me which and I love it because you know I I received a great support. Um, and I you know I didn't stop working after my double mastectomy I went back to work like ten days later. Uh, but to your point, like, you know, like the, feel, the, the feeling that you're punished, like, you know, okay, I had to double mastectomy. Then they tell me it's a lymph node. Then they tell me, okay, you have to do bone scan and a CAT scan. And then we find out you need the radiation after you do the chemo. And then we find out that, oh, it's good that you would remove the ovaries. And it's just like piling and piling and piling. Mm-hmm. And all you want to do is just like, okay, let, let me move away from this. Let me move away from this. It's like a tornado in your life. And, you know, but my oncologist, the, the team, it, it was wonderful, you know. You know, what I love about him, and at the beginning, it was driving me nuts. Whenever I would ask him, like, a head of questions, something like, okay, but what's going to happen when I finish AC? He would say, we're not there yet. I'm like, but why are you not telling me? He's like, let's just concentrate on one thing. <laughs> but now I understand. But that, that was me before. I had to know. I had to plan ahead of time. And now it's just like, okay, I wake up. Okay, thank you, God, for another beautiful day. Or it's going to be crazy day, but thank God I woke up. And it's just I go to work or on a weekend, I I try to figure out what to do. So the perspective after this crazy journey is just like, it's kind of like somebody was asked, you know, what there was a question on one of the trainings for the young patient advocate, not when I was doing it, but I think this year, um, what kind of a gift cancer gave you? And it was like kind of controversial. Um, but you know, if you think about it, cancer didn't give, cancer didn't give me any gift, but what I went through, it gave me a gift to kind of slow down, mm-hmm. cherish my life and just don't go over the small stuff. Try yeah. to be happy and live and plan like trips and hikes and live the life to the fullest because the cancer is like this crazy tornado that comes through your life and either will knock you down and you're not going to get up or you know what you're going to try to get up and try to prove it like you know what you're not going to I don't like to use word beat me because I think like if I say it, it's going to come back and bite me behind <laughs> um, but you, you have to fight it you know and I think that's my strength that and just that my vision just to just to go forward and just try to be that tornado for not coming back into my life. That makes sense. No, that's beautiful. And I love, I love that practice of slowing down and like kind of being in the present. And that was one thing that I learned as well. Like just, and, and it helped me to do yoga because I was like going through treatment in like this crazy polar vortex winter and I couldn't like really leave mm-hmm. the house. And so I did this gentle yoga DVD and like each day it just kind of taught me about, you know, like being a net and letting things, you know, flow through me. And that was okay. And it was, it was just really, 
I was like really type A, really go getter, you know, and, and I'm still mm-hmm. that person, but I've definitely slowed down in a way to appreciate more of what's going on right now in this moment. And I, I totally agree with that. It's just funny when you say like as so many because I, I was the same way. I was like, go, go, go all the time on a go. And uh, I used to do like a lot of cardio. I used to do a lot of weightlifting. Um, and then, OK, well, my top from my belly up, I'm out of commission. I can't lift heavy. So what now? So I bought a stationary bike and they try for the past three years. So many people try to convince me to do yoga and I just hate yoga. I just can't <laughs> do that yoga. I, I really can't. And people say, well, try this person and try that one. And two minutes into yoga and my mind is just somewhere else. And I just, I just can't. So I just found different, you know, things to, to do, but I just can't do yoga. And I would love to do it because a lot of people, <laughs> like you said, you know, it slows you down. It calms you down, you know, the breathing, the stretching. And I just can't, I just, I just can't do it. It's yeah. just not for me. And I spoke with one of the oncologists. Um, she got me hooked on, um, spinning and I actually got the peloton now to, to, to kind of increase because that's the, you know, I need something fast moving. Mm-hmm. And she says to me, I said, you know what, doc? I said, everyone try, tries to convince me to do yoga and I just, I can't do it. She's like, don't worry. I hate yoga myself. <laughs> and her saying that it just made me feel like, okay, you're not a total loser. Okay. At least you tried. And there are more people who are doing what they can and they don't like yoga. So but it's a wonderful thing. So if you whoever does it and love it, just, yeah, um, then all I, I love you know good no, for I, you guys. But I was it's just not for me. I was totally in the same places. Like I remember being in a room doing it and thinking this is stupid. Like I I totally do, and I I can remember that. And maybe it was just you know because I had to do this because I literally couldn't leave my house and I didn't have like mm-hmm. a treadmill at the time. I, I literally had no other form other than walking laps around my basement. You know, so this was like the only thing I could do. And so I, I almost had to, you know, but, and I, I was able to slow my mind, but yes, I've, I've been there, done that girl. Like I totally, <laughs> I totally understand, you know, like thinking, what is this? Why do people like this? And what purpose does it serve? Like, give me the endorphins and give them now, you know? So I'm definitely, yeah, definitely more type A. So speaking a little bit about physical activities, because Mm -hmm. your Instagram feed is just amazing with all these different hiking and adventures that you do. um, And it's just really beautiful. Like the way you look at nature and the way you see nature, it's just beautiful to me. So did you always like hiking or has cancer kind of brought out more of this hiking and sense of adventure? So I always love walking uh, when I'm, so I'm originally from Poland and in Poland, you know, at, when, at that time, not too many people had cars. So, you know, you walked everywhere to school, to stores. Uh, when I came to United States, you know, everyone was just driving. So I had to find ways to start walking. So I would go to the park and then I met my husband and we start, you know, going like driving further away and we would go and he said like, oh, there's a three mile hike. I'm like, three mile hike. I said, that's far. He's like, come on, we can do it. And then we progressed a little bit more and more. And before I was diagnosed, we were hiking quite a bit. After my diagnosis, um, even, you know, I would do chemo on the Fridays. And my doctor said to me, stay as active as possible. Just mm-hmm. don't run the marathons. I said, fine. I said, can I hike? He's like, good, go. 
So, uh, you know, like Friday I'll have a chemo <laughs> AC and then Saturday we would go for a walk like six to 10 miles and people would look at me like I'm crazy, but that's what helped me just like, okay, I have chemo, I had cancer, but this is, this is my, this is me time. This is my normal. And then we start like going, looking into more international parks and that's like super advanced hiking. And to your point, my, my pictures on Instagram, the, the way I look at the nature, it's, I think cancer made me appreciate more and look at the different angle uh, and like kind of stop and smell the flowers a little mm -hmm. bit more. Um, so my perspective of how I look at the nature change, my hiking didn't change. I'm trying to challenge myself more. Uh, I just came back from the Glacier National Park. That was my third time there. And we actually accomplished the hike that we tried three times. And we ended up doing over 20 miles that day and with the gorgeous views, crazy animals and some snow. So I think what that hike itself was just trying to prove myself that, yes, you went through cancer, you went through chemo, radiation, the surgeries, but you're getting your strength back and look what you, what you can do. You can still do what you want to do. So just, you know, it, it's hard right now, especially like when I talk to someone who's newly diagnosed, like I said, you know, try to move around a little bit, try to go for a walk. And again, I get this crazy look like you're crazy. I'm going through chemo, I'm going through surgery. And I said, well, you will find your pace and you'll see what fits you. And, you know, but, you know, I try to show people that you can still do it. You yeah. know, just put your mind to it and just do it. Not, nothing is too complicated and there are, are obstacles, and, but you can overcome them and you can still be a happy person and even more adventure than before. I mean, you know, it's for me to do 20 miles hike. It was just like amazing. I was towards like the last two miles. I want to sit on a, by the stone or something or, and just bang my head. But I had to push it. And once I finished and sat in the car, I was like, this was amazing. And to this day, I'm, forever, I'll be grateful I was able to do it. Oh, that's so, so. awesome. My husband and I, we walked all the time. And I, I feel like my doctor was very encouraging of exercise. And, you know, obviously I encourage everyone to talk to their doctor about, you know, what level mm -hmm. of activity is right for you or, you know, and, and, but they were very, very much accommodating and wanting me to exercise after chemo and getting that, like, you know, it, it is, it's poison, right? So like, you don't want to just like sitting in one place, you want it to kind of like move around. And, and so they were very passionate about, you know, me getting exercise and my husband, like he was very much like, okay, it's walk time. Like get your, get your shoes on. We're going. And, and it helped to have someone also kind of motivating and like pushing in a kind way, you know, cause he wasn't like mm -hmm. militant about it, but he was like very much, you know, Hey, the doctor said you should go for a walk. Like, let's go, you know? And, um, you know, my pace could be slower. Everything could be different, but we would get out and there's just this feeling of normalcy. And, and I wrote many times like in blogs about it, but just each step felt like I was closer to the end and it felt like something I could control and I could do about my own journey. And especially, I mean, after you get like that new last shot, I mean, I, sometimes I thought that was worse than the chemotherapy itself. You know, it would, you know, I would be so achy and mm -hmm. I still like, you know, let me go for a walk. And to your point, like did my doctor, you know, they were saying like, yeah, go exercise, just don't run the marathons because they laugh at me because that, you know, they told them that crazy person that would go running, but I also <laughs> hate running. So I did and they were safe there. But my family also has 
bad heart. So my dad had a heart attack, and his sister had bad heart. But has sorry, my his sister has a bad heart as well. Um, so I knew, you know, chemotherapy can affect our hearts too. So for me, going out, you know, walking up and down the stairs if the weather was bad, or you know, just pacing around the house, was, and or doing the station like stationary bike. Um, was just to, you know, I have to stay strong. I have to get my heart strong because I have to finish the treatment. Um, so that, that, that kind of motivated me too, um, just to stay on schedule. I was petrified that if my blood was wrong, yeah, like the counts were low or my ejection fraction was low, that I wouldn't be able to continue. So whatever I could do to prevent that, I was doing it. Like I would have a tax hall in the morning. I would come home and get on my back, even if I did like a slow 30 minutes, just to get that circulation going, mm-hmm. just to feel better. And um, and I think it helped me tremendously. And I know everyone goes through it differently. A lot of women are tired. They have little kids running. And God bless those women who have those little kids and they go through chemo. I don't know how they do it if they don't have enough help. Um, so big kudos to them. Um, but I was I had that luxury that if I was tired, I could take a nap. Yeah. And, you know, so... But exercise was, you know, was and still is a big part of my um, my life. And like I said, I, I graduated, as I call, from a stationary bike to the spin bike. And that's a total new high for me, which I love it. So I'm happy about it. Awesome. You'll have to take some pictures of your bike and share them. I, I want to see. I know everyone that has the Peloton bike, like they're obsessed with it. Like they really are. They love it. So that's- it's addictive. <laughs> it's, it's, it's addicting. It's just, I actually finished like half an hour before we, we were supposed to talk. I just finished a 45 minute class. That's awesome. And I was spent, but it's just like that. It would, it just, what's amazing. I think it's just like, I feel like I'm getting even stronger and it's that, it, that bike has something about it that is just like motivates you even more to and I you know I come home I put my phone on do not disturb I put my headphones and that's that that it's a 45 minutes just for me it's a me time mm-hmm. some people meditate some people read books and for me spending it's it's me time that 45 minutes no matter what I tell people I'm not going to be available. Don't even try to reach me. I'm not going to reply to you. And I'm happy about it. <laughs> no, that's you know? great. That's great. I I speak a lot on self-care too. So like self-care Sundays and, you know, everyone needs their own release and, and it comes in many forms. It's not just, you know, sitting and eating chocolates in a bathtub, you know, full mm-hmm. of rose petals. But for some people it might be, but for other people, it might be your, sp- you know, spin bike. And for other people, mm-hmm. it might be a walk and other people, it might be journaling, you know, whatever that looks like for you, you have to find that release and, and let it out. And it, that doesn't matter if you're a cancer survivor or not. Like anyone can benefit from taking some time to focus on themselves, because if you do focus on yourself, then you can be the best version of you for everybody else. So I think you need just that little bit of time, you know, each, each day or each week, whatever it looks like for you to make sure that you, you know, fill your cup back up again. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. And it, it's sometimes it's so hard because everyone is like so busy and they say, well, I don't have a time. You do have a time, mm-hmm. you know, make a time for yourself. Even if that's it, like you start 10, 15 minutes, just make that time for yourself and do whatever, like, you know, you want go for a little walk, take a nice bath, take a nice shower. Just tell the family to, this is me time. Um, because it's so, so important. Like you say, the self-care, you know, I think we all, 
give to so many people so much and we forget that we come first. And I tell this to many women and the girls that I speak to um, when they are diagnosed. I said, just remember, this is you come first right now. If you have asked the family for help, ask the spouse for help, ask boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever you have to, you come first. Your mental health comes first and your physical health comes first. And, you know, they first like they listen because they don't understand. But once they start doing it and they were like, you know what, you're right. I needed this. I needed this so bad. So thank you. Because sometimes we forget. We forget that we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah. So it's, it's very important. No, I agree. You know, and just speaking about, you know, taking care of ourselves, like even like with the food, you know, like I remember reading Samantha Harris book and she was saying like, you know, she started with it, like she tried to do the smoothies for breakfast. I'm like, how can you do smoothies? You know, this isn't food. And then I tried, like, I'm not doing it every day. It's every third day. And then, but then I look at the oncologist from my clinic. She does smoothies and my nutritionist does smoothies. I'm like, well, it can't be that horrible. So, you know, I tried and I do a little bit and I'm like, oh, this is actually good. So that's another step for me to like that self-care because I tried it. It's something different and it's good for me. So I don't know how it's going to last and how long, but you know, it's something new and something different. Yeah, as no, I, call it. I like to supplement too. I'm not like, I can't totally go there. I don't know. I guess maybe it's just routines that are, you know, mm-hmm. to break them, but I do love those smoothies. Like, and sometimes even too, like if I'm running late for dinner or like, I know I don't have time to fully prepare like a dinner, I'll even do it for dinner. Like it doesn't really matter which meal, you know, so you can just use it and you are at least getting a bunch of fruits and vegetables, you know, inside of you. And I think, you know, that's great. And then with um, her smoothie recipe, like obviously there's you know, the protein powder and the greens powder. So like it, it just a lot of good stuff that also kind of fills you up too. So, I mean, I think they're delicious. I mean, I, I'm a big advocate of her smoothies. Well, actually I, I, you know, I just like, um, I, I look at her, some of hers, then I look at some other people, what they drink and I kind of come with my own mix of whatever I want to drink. So I just, I mean, I just, I, I love beets. I love red beets and red got me through chemo, you know, that was something I cooked and I eat it. And uh, so I just like a smoothie, like flaxseed, red beets, spinach, and I threw some matcha powder. And I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. I'm like, <laughs> I know how I came up with it. I thought it's so bad. But if I tell it to you, my coworkers, I just had a, you know, smoothie with the beets and a spinach and a matcha powder. They're going to look at me like I have a three heads. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just like something trying something different and just having fun with it. And, you know, it, it, it sounds gross, but I mean, if we're not going to try it, how are we going to know, right? Right, right. No, I love it. And I think um, the ginger to me is what actually makes it delicious too. I love, I love ginger just in general. And I but, and yeah. the ginger, when I first uh, started chemo, every said, everyone said, because I was super nauseous because I wasn't, I somehow I work at a pharmacy, but somehow I didn't listen to myself that I should stay on the <laughs> antinosia around the clock. <laughs> oh yeah. So, you got to get ahead of that stuff. Oh yeah. So for my first, after my first AC, I was so nauseous. So the girls in my support group were like, oh, you have to drink or eat like something with the ginger. I was eating and drinking so, so much ginger after the second chemo. I said, I can't do this. So I was, you know, I was good. I stay around the clock with my antinosia meds, but I switched to chamomile tea. Now, like if someone comes with anything that has ginger, even like a little bit of it, I will not touch it. It's just one of those things that, you know, wow. that people say like, 
if you go for the chemo, don't wear anything that you like or don't bring any foods that you like because you may not like it after. And it's true. I, I, I can't do I can't do ginger, uh, which is I know what you're saying is delicious, but it's just for whatever reason, I my body is like, no, we, you're not having it. No, anymore. I have I have certain things from my chemo too, like ice mountain water and um, for a while it was Jimmy John subs. I had one with, um, guacamole on it and, oh no. And I love avocados, but it like, it ruined it for me for like about a year or two. I, I mean, I just ate avocado okay. before I came here for dinner. So I'm, I'm back on the way I'm back on the wagon, but it was horrible. Like it's, you know, kind of like when you, you know, throw up when you're a kid and like that gets on that list, you know, for like a year, you're like, I'll never eat a blueberry muffin ever again because it's disgusting. <laughs> it is. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, when I was doing my first chemo, I took like a with me like carrots and a hard boiled eggs and I was eating. My nurses were like, yeah, you came so prepared. And to this day, I can't eat hard boiled egg. Aww. I will eat scrambled egg, sunny side up. But I will not eat hard boiled egg. It's just like uh, it's just like this gaggery. And even my husband sometimes when he cooks for himself, I said, just stay away from me. I, I can't. I can't look at it. It's just one of those things that I guess our bodies just can handle. And I miss my hard boiled eggs, but my body says, no, you're not having it. Like you're not having a ginger. I know. And it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like this mind over matter, but it's like it just brings back these vivid memories of. Ugh, yes, <laughs> totally agree. Um, so you spoke a little bit about support groups and like your Facebook support group. And I know you were like really active, not only on Facebook, but you also met these people in person. So maybe talk to me a little bit about like, what does support mean and how did that help get you through? And it sounds like you're very active now on the, on giving back side too. So what does, what does support look like for you? So let me just start. When I was first diagnosed, my um, nurse navigator came in to me and she says to me, you know, we have an amazing support group. It's just all the young girls. Uh, we have a meeting once a month, and but they're also on a Facebook 24-7. And my first words to her were like, I don't need the support. And she's like, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. I said, I can get through it. I'm fine. She's like, give me your email, you know, just sign up. You can read it first. And then when you're ready, you come. And first I was like kind of scrolling to the support group. I'm like, I can't read this. You know, when you first diagnose, everything is so scary mm -hmm. and everything is so crazy. And after a week, I'm like, Oh my God, I just can't do it. But then I took a step back, you know, I took a break like two, three days and I went back and then I went for the first meeting and the girls were like, so, you know, when you sit in a room with, with the women and uh, your age, your group age, we're talking between 30 to 45 to 50 that went through this and you see them like already almost almost done with the treatment and they offer you their friendship and they give you the phone number and they say, listen, just ask anything you can. Because, I mean, if if I had a chance, I would be probably texting my doctor every minute. And, you know, doctor, they're, they're busy and, you know, you can't do that. And, you know, sometimes you have a question like, uh, you know, like with the nausea or what did you eat? How did you stay active? And I would like either, you know, text the girls or I would post in the support group. And within like a minute, you have like hundreds and hundreds of responses. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, they would say, this is what I did for to help me with the nausea. Uh, you know, if you, you know, I said I had one question. So I had to go for that um, blue dye um, 
something that they do before you go for mastectomy so they can find the lymph nodes. And I had a question about it, you know, is it hurt? Does it hurt and stuff like that? And, you know, if you would ask, if I would ask the doctor, they would say like, you know, like some kind of a general answer. And I posted on the group and they said, well, this is what you have to do and it's not going to hurt you. And I was like, wow. So then I start, you know, start going to the support meetings even more often. And once you, once I finished the chemotherapy, I saw new members coming and sometimes you click with people and sometimes, you know, they come, but they kind of don't want to have anything to do with you. Um, but you know, you I, I have like a good sense who's like a kind of lost soul and I would connect even with more women. And then I would, they would ask me, you know, what my story was, what chemotherapy I had, you know, how it helped me. And we would like become friends. And I'm like, you know what, this is time to, to give back. Um, you know, I'm not a medical expert. I can just tell you what helped me. And also I can tell you, help you navigate with the insurance. I can help you navigate it with a hospital, you know, and what has to be done. Um, and that prompted me to become patient advocate. So I had the training with living beyond breast cancer last year. I went to Maryland for, I think two or three days. And then another amazing program that they had was help to become helpline volunteer. So they have someone newly diagnosed, you know, reaches out to them and they say, you know, I would like to speak with someone, you know, about something similar that what I had, you know, can you have someone to reach out? So they, you know, they send me an email and say, hey, Isabella, we have a, you know, we have a case. Would you mind reaching out to this person? And I, I love that, that I can be on this other side right now, that I can offer someone comfort and kind of talk to them and get them off that ledge that, you know, when you first diagnose, you're mm-hmm. just like, you, 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 you're like, you don't know where to go, which direction. And, you know, the first thing I always say to them, it's breathe, take a deep breath. It's going to be fine. Just don't Google your symptoms or whatever you have because Google will make you cry. It made me cry, you know, at the beginning, because you're like, oh, well, let me look at this. Let me look what, you know, positive lymph node means. And let me look what the statistics are for the stage 3A. And then it's like, you know, you get a panic attack. And then it's like, no, I'm like, stop, you know. So I think just talking to someone who've been through, um, like you and I, you know, just having this normal conversation and just kind of explaining, you know, what's going to happen and what process is going to be. Um, I think it helps. And I, I really look forward, like every time I get an email to just, Hey, can you talk to this person? I, I know I'm heading in the right direction. And that, that was kind of, I feel like cancer kind of led me to be able to help other women. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, kind of, I am mad it happened, but I am grateful. I can, you know, like they say, turn the lemon into lemonade. Um, and I'm grateful that I can be a part of someone else's life and just kind of guide them and support them um, on this crazy journey that the cancer is. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, it's filled me with so much purpose and in, in trying to give back to other women. And, you know, I had in, in kind of like you somewhat of a roadmap because we had some family history and had experienced that in our lives, you know, obviously different when it's you personally versus, you know, a family member, but still I had some experience. And then 
when you go through it though, it's, it's just crazy. And then for all these people that have nobody or literally they're the first person in their friend group and their family to ever be diagnosed. I, I just felt this need that, you know, someone has to help these people and give them, even though their journeys may all be different, there's still very much similarities within each journey. And there's a lot of common themes and there's just ways, you know, those little tricks and tips that everyone can provide. And I too got them from my support group. Um, because even though my mom had gone through breast cancer, she'd gone through it years and years prior. So like there was so much more known now and so much more talked about. And, and it's just such great common sense, like, women in the trenches who can just help you through it. And your doctor will give you a more generic answer, like you said, but these people in the support groups are like, they've lived it and they've tried it and, you know, they've heard from other women and it's just such powerful information that we can all share with with, with each other. But not only that, I've, I've realized that, um, you know, a lot of people like, you know, the family, they, they, when you come to the family and say, you know, oh, I have a cancer, they don't know how to react. They don't know how to support you. A lot of people that I know, they said, well, my friends kind of disappeared on me. Uh, and they said, I don't understand why, you know, and I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe I try to explain to them. It's not that they disappeared. They just don't know how to help you or how to react around you. Um, so I said, give them time, but it's, it's hard. So when you have this support, like this community, this crazy community of, of these women that when my, when I first started in my local group, um, there was only like hundred women right now. It's almost 400 of us. And that's oh. just like North Jersey, North hmm. Jersey and some New York area. And that's crazy for, you know, for this group to within three years to, to get so many women and it just put like a perspective, but it's like, these these women and men in a support groups it's like the family you don't want but you wish they came through your to your life mm-hmm. the way i look at it and they're amazing people i mean yeah they're, you know support groups you know you, uh, you also have to think about that some support groups you know sometimes people would argue so there will be some misunderstandings but just you know take a step back and it's not worth it and just go back when you're ready take a break take a breather and you can go back because, you know, people are people and we all going to have some misunderstanding. But for the most part, I think the support groups are amazing to be a part of while you go undergo the treatment and, you know, even after. So, yeah, I I just went to to some peer counseling um, recently and it was interesting because they told us, you know, hey, if you talk, you know, if you're talking to this other survivor and you don't immediately connect, like that's okay, you know, because, people just don't always 100% click with other people. And I thought that was really interesting. But I think to Mm -hmm. your point, like, and they said, like, feel free to be honest and say like, hey, I just, you know, I I want this person obviously to get the care that they need, you know, but I don't know that I'm the right person, you know, so I thought it was really interesting and, you know, being honest and, and having that conversation. But to your point, like, you can go to a big group and and you're always going to, you know, connect with certain people, maybe more than other people. Like it's just human nature to, to find people, you know, maybe that are more like-minded or maybe they're not, maybe they just interest you. But I think, you know, human interaction is so necessary and just building that support group and that social network, um, to help you through a a really difficult time is, is so key and so important. Yes, I it's I it's I totally agree. Like I told you, I was first like I was no, I don't need a support group, nope, nope, nope. 
And then I'm like, you know, when I went, I look and I'm like, okay, this this is what I needed. You know, this is what I need. And now I'm a part of this big, crazy family that, <laughs> you know, crazy <laughs> patients. But, and, you know, and it, it's, like I said, it's part that you don't want to be, but you're glad that you came and you saw and you became another member of the family. Yeah. Well, so such a beautiful story that you're giving back so much. And I know you feel so strongly about, you know, empowering other women about their health and, you know, getting, you know, getting the care that they need. And I I think it's so beautiful, like all that you do to help other women, you know, to get through and to give back. So thank you for all of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy, and like I said, there is so much that I still learn. Um, there is a, book uh, it's it says actually cancer law and it's so many information that i didn't know you know what rights we have if something with insurance so if i can share that with someone what i learn uh, and help them get that bill reduced or just you know tell them to call and fight it and how to fight it it's just like it's just really empowering you know it's like i have this mission and it's just like i'm gonna continue i'm gonna continue until I'm the, you know, I can't continue anymore, but for now, you know, people are, you're not alone. You know, if, if you can, people can always reach out to me. I'm an open book. Um, you know, I don't hide anything. You know, I I can't sleep through the night. Most of the time, you know, the hot flashes from the, <laughs> from the early menopause. Yes, uh, they're for fun. Sure. Um, so, you know, people can always reach out to me and we can always talk we can, they can always message me. And like I said, I'm an open book. So whatever I can help, feel free whoever's listening, just feel free to message me through Instagram um, or the messenger. If you can find me, Um, Tina probably will post my, um, you know, info. So um, just, just reach out. Yes. I will for sure. And I'll link to this cancer law book. This this sounds amazing too. Um, It is, it's really hard navigating through all, just all the detail. And, you know, I remember telling my husband, like, if, if my grandma were to get all of these bills, she would have paid probably a million dollars more than was necessary because she didn't understand like what was being sent to her and would have thought it was a bill. But you have to fight and you have to say like, no, it's covered and you know, this, this isn't right. And you really have to be, you know, your own advocate, not for only health, but for financial purposes too. You really have to research. And sometimes you get multiple people on the line because the insurance company needs to talk to the hospital, needs to talk to, you know, different people. And you really had to be that go between, which is really difficult sometimes too, when you're just in the midst of chemo and all this stuff going on, but it can be very overwhelming. And I think as much as people can know and know their rights, you know, that's, that's such important stuff. And especially just one thing, like I've, I've, I've been realizing a lot of, well, not a lot, but some doctors do some over excessive billing. Um, and what I'm telling my girls, when you go for the, especially for the consultation with a plastic surgeon, look at their website when you, when they called, it should say most of them, they have a free consultation. Um, and that's what I say. Like, Make sure that when you call and it says free consultation, when you book your appointment, um, just verify that verbally. And they said yes, and then they get a bill for that free consultation. And I had friends that they paid $250. I'm like, no, you don't pay. I said, go back, call them, and you know, just fight it back. Get your money back. It says free consultations. So like to your point, a lot of people just get the bills and they pay them. Mm-hmm. No, you don't pay. Just, just stop, 
call there's always a way just say you know there's always a way to maybe reduce a little bit maybe you, if you can afford to pay the bill in full just go they will do like a payment plan with you because at the, like the hospital all they want is the money they don't care if you're going to pay them 20 30 or 50 dollars as long as you pay it off but some of the bills are excessive so knowing what you you know what's covered what's not covered and how to fight it it's hard when you go undergo the the chemo and everything else and if you have a family um, but my, my big tip is if you go for a consultation, anyone, and if it says, you know, call and look at the website first and see if there is most of them going to have saying free consultation, verify if you get the bill for that free consultation, do not pay, call and have it just say, listen, I was here. You told me it's a free consultation. I will not pay this bill. Mm-hmm. And most of them, they say, oh, it's a billing error. But, you know, I, I, ha- I know one doctor that keeps saying, oh, it's a billing error. But a lot of people who go to him, they get that bill every time. And, you know, I, you know, some of my friends pay, pay for that free consultation without knowing that they're not supposed to because, well, they got the bill, right? So it's, it's a lot. So that's why, like I'm saying, like, you, whoever wants, just always reach out to me. I'm not an expert. I'm still learning. I'm still navigating. But I think over three years, my knowledge got kind of big on this stuff. So if I can help, I would I would love that. No, you're such a great resource. So you've given a lot of great tips, you know, throughout the show today. But if there's one lasting, you know, Tina tip that you want to share with people, whether they're newly diagnosed or whether they're in the midst of, you know, their battle right now, what is one big tip, you know, you wish you had known maybe when you were starting out on your cancer journey? What I would wish to know um, that you will get through it um, as hard as it is right now and as crazy right now. Uh, there is a rainbow at the end of this crazy road and that you will come so much stronger than you ever been, um, like really stronger mentally and physically. And at the end, you're going to look behind and you're going to be like, wow, I just went through this craziness. So. As far as the tip, just right now, just take your time, heal, go through whatever you have to do. Um, just take it easy, not too easy on yourself, but just try to be happy and try to stay positive because attitude is half the battle. And it's hard and crazy this right now is and you're going to say like, why are you telling me to be happy right now? Just try to do something once a day or once every two days that makes you happy. Either it's to dance to your favorite music, watch your favorite show. Just something that will help you forget that you're going through this crazy journey. But like I said, after you're done and, you know, after my radiation, I felt like I crossed the finish line and I fell in my face. Kind of that feeling. It's, it's going to be over and the life's going to continue. And I think it's going to be more amazing and more appreciative life than it was before. That's so beautiful. Well, Isabella, thank you so much. It was awesome meeting you via podcast. Um, but it was, it was so good. I, I come to New York every couple months, usually for work too. So we might have to plan a meetup next time. That would be nice. I would <laughs> love that. I would really love that. Yes. That great. I, I'm looking for maybe November to do a meetup when I'm there. So I will, I will keep you posted and give you a personal invite. So Okay. Sounds great. I will look, I'm going to look forward to that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And you have an amazing evening and I will be in touch soon with details on your amazing show here. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. Take you care. too. Bye. Bye. I want to give
give a special thanks to Nicholas Lay for producing my podcast, DJ Breast Cancer. And a shout out to Whirligig Photography for their amazing content for my website. And the band Roustabout for sharing their song with me, Pariah. A special thanks goes out to all of you listeners. Please leave a review on iTunes and let me know any feedback or any future stories. More information can be found on my website, www.djbreastcancer.org.